0: Aha! They got me. So as an introduction, as a new introduction, there is no Wasted Years solo, because apparently if you use music, you have to only publish it on Spotify, which I do not want to do. So now instead of Iron Maiden segments, you have interludes. I don't even know if that worked, but here goes... I might as well try it. I've been contributing and listening to a lot of y'all's podcast, haha, ha Texas, mm-hmm. y'all. And uh, I might as well jump into the Breach and start mine. I don't even know. I tried to use Spotify. I guess you can use Spotify to put music. And one of my favorite bands is Iron Maiden. And I tried to put on the solo for Wasted Years. Uh, we'll see if that works. But the title of today, and I guess... In general, I don't even know if I'll have a trailer for this episode because it's the first time I'm doing it. But um, basically, this is going to be the Geomologist Presents Leave No Stone Unturned, where I talk about gaming and other pop culture. And uh, maybe I'll have a few interviews. So here goes today's episode. I guess I'm just going to record this in one shot and see what it sounds like. I don't know how to do segments yet. Hey, it's more than a minute. Usually when I record, you know, you get cut off. So today's title is going to be Sunday Triple Play. And this happened... I run a lot of games, man. I really do. And maybe sometimes it's distracting. But hey, it's my hobby, you know. There are worse and maybe, I don't know, more expensive hobbies. Because as Jason Connerly of Nerds Variety RPG Cast... Fame and I have discussed we have a lot of games and many of them we'd love to play but just haven't but it was great uh, last Sunday I was able to play or run in three games it was like a mini marathon and uh, I'll talk about those games you might have heard about them on other podcasts or might have seen them if you follow certain YouTubers or other podcasters um but maybe not so the first one I played early in the morning, 8 o'clock Central Daylight Savings Time, which is minus 5 GMT, and 10 o'clock Uruguay, Montevideo time. Um, That's because one of our players is from Montevideo, Uruguay. Um, And we ran Umerica, which is a DCC product, post-apocalyptic, but with crazy magic and aliens as well. And um, joining me Mm -hmm. for that game was Jason uh, Connerly of Nerds Variety RPG Cast, and Gabriel, um, who you know on the Audio Dungeon Discord as the Grill Wizard. So uh, they each are each playing two characters. Uh, alas, we have not been able to recruit more, although you should because it's zany, crazy, OSR-type feel stuff. And uh, they had previously uh, learned that they were captured by some sort of techno wizard who had captured their souls by some magic technology contraption and told them, forced them to run a race for him. So Gabriel plays, the two characters he plays is the road warrior uh, driver and the urchin. If you remember uh, the road warrior movie, that crazy little wild child urchin, that's kind of what that's based on. And then uh, Jason, because I wanted to throw in like, okay, can we use traditional like DCC uh, characters as playing a, a wasteland warrior, which is your basic basically a warrior from DCC and a wasteland wizard, which is you're a wizard from DCC more or less with, you know, weird technological trappings and um, the wizard wears a Hawaiian shirt. So anyway, so last time uh, they had reached their first maybe checkpoint or location uh, way ahead of the other competition because of the very quick thinking and neat um, problem solving that Gabriel and Jason put together. They were like hours uh, ahead of the of the other two competitors in the race, and uh, they made it to this train that was going on there. Uh, they uh, Gabriel's character spun out and drifted onto the the bed open bed of the train, and then the characters leaped out to deal with the adversaries because they were supposed to according to their little uh, instructions find the clue for the next that would give him a, a leg up in the next leg of the race. So uh, they basically assaulted this uh, machine gun nest uh, with great panage. uh The Wasteland Wizard blew up the gun and the gunner using magic missile. And then they jumped into this boxcar where they fought uh, these um Train wraiths, I guess, uh, and yeah, they were actually wraiths that uh, that were pretty nasty. But they found a way to use an AOE, an AOE of holy water, which devastated uh, them. Even though one of the characters uh, died, but uh, they also had learned, and they never they had not tested it up to this point that if they died, well, they just came back. They were just a little bit um, mentally traumatized i guess so uh, jason's wizard died but he after the battle he kind of popped up after tasting some of that holy water which was actually a beer uh, which i think is great and you know way that the authors add in some you know some fun references uh and are a little uh off the cuff in their sense of humor um in the in the game and in, in the actual product um it is I might be giving some spoilers, but it is called uh, road of death from the America road atlas, just FYI. So, uh, I don't know how to do show notes, but if I figure it out, then I'll put like a link or whatever and, and give credit to the authors. Um, anyway, so after they defeated those wraiths, they went to the next car and there are the, these guards there that open fire, um, right away on the, on the wasteland warrior. And, uh, this character uh, took it and uh, survived, deflected a bullet with the shield, and, and then they dumped... So they had, uh, you probably may have heard it on Jason's podcast, they had the wizard, their wizard sponsor had given them this duffel bag of holding, and they could choose uh, two things out of it. Um, actually, I'm going to throw a twist with that duffel bag, too, in the next time we play. But don't tell the players that. Um, anyway, so um, they had pulled out, among other things, a can of gasoline. So the urchin had this can and he basically dumped gasoline onto those, uh, those, all, you know, on the floor in front of those guards. And then uh, Jason's character had this like electromagnetic fishing pole or the line from the fishing pole was electric or electromagnetic he had found, like magical. So, he slapped that down, you know, in the gasoline area, and it created this big fireball, which his character had to duck out of the way from and took some damage, singed some hair and eyebrows, but the, you know, the the guards were done um, done for, and the vault that they were trying to get to, it was partially damaged, the door was, because it's such a big rolling ex- explosion. So they got into the vault, no problem. Uh, Gabriel was rolling great for his, for the thieving skills for his little urchin guy. They found the note that said, uh, choose route number two, spoiler. Um, But then, and then all the while, uh, the train conductor is taunting them. His name is Gomez. And I imagined him and I described him when they finally saw him as basically Gomez from um, the Adams family, except. If Gomez had like fiery red hair, but still, you know, the nice pinstripes and the, you know, little tie, but fiery red hair, smoking cigars like Gomez did anyway. So instead of Gomez says, okay, and the train sped up, now you're all going to pay or something like that. Uh, But they decided to go forward instead of backwards. Um, Players, players do what players do. So they went forward. They saw another group of guards, but these guards, knowing what was going to happen, were resigned to their fate and were playing poker. And they were—I was trying to hint, yeah, this is the last hand, boys. Yeah, put all, let's go all in, go all in. But uh, the characters kept moving forward. Maybe they felt that they could stop the train car or the train itself, and that could have been a possibility. Um, until they met Gomez, and they, maybe they realized maybe he's out of our league. I don't know. They were their players are lucky. Um, anyway, so they saw Gomez, you know, he's kept taunting them. Uh, Gabriel had a brilliant idea to, you know, detach the rest of the cars from the engine. and he, like I said, he was rolling great. So he, you know, he made his, his role to unlock and then started un- unraveling the, the lock there. Um, uh, Gomez tried to stop them. He threw like a, he threw a cigar butt, which uh, Jason's uh, Wasteland Warrior deflected away, and there's a big explosion off to the side of the rails. Meanwhile, the the driver and uh, the Wasteland Wizard are trying to run across. The, they see what's going on. They try to run across the top of the of the cars to try to make it back to the um, to their vehicle. Uh, the Wasteland Wizard fails, and effectively, after a couple both the uh, failure to jump and the failure to grab onto anything gets run over by the train, by the train. Um, so he dies again. And then, um, but the other character, Gabriel's uh, driver, he makes it eventually. Um, there's some things that happen in between, but it's, it's pretty cool. So the train is decoupled. Is the train cars are, you know, decoupled from the, the engine but then Gomez not to be outdone puts the brakes on and slams the engine into the into those cars um the urchin is able to escape that <clears throat> but the wasteland warrior does not and is crushed between the cars and dies meanwhile the cars are like accordioning and up in the air and somehow with amazing roles, um and we roll them all on the table. There's you no know, like GM whispers and I don't I roll openly. Um there is actually a, a cool call-in on Joe Richter's hind, Hindsightless Podcast from Jewels of uh N Z uh podcast fame <clears throat> that talked about this. So it's kinda neat. We I roll on the table. Um well it's a virtual table, but I roll openly uh, for the characters to see and the, we so we know what's going on. Anyway, so uh, Gabriel's urchin makes it. You can imagine him pakoring through the wreckage. Things are flying everywhere. Poker chips are flying. He dives through the vault in the passenger car. And then when he gets to the box car, he, he smashes his way through the door and then leaps out the hatch on the top to get to the flatbed where he joins the driver and they peel out and uh, make it off the train to safety before it runs into this barricade and explodes in a fantastic multicolored uh, cl- kaleidoscopic fireball. Um, so goes Gomez, the engineer. What it was interesting is basically uh, Jason's characters, uh, they did not perma-die. Uh, they both got up, and I described how their bodies sort of stitched themselves together especially been being cut in half by a train or run over into multiple parts by a train but then they got up a little uh system shocked but then they ran to catch up to the rest and they made it to the checkpoint amid the cheering crowd cheering virtual crowds and fanfare and uh, hey they won that leg of the race officially and uh, now they are in charge on the next step so that is America. All right. Game two recap. Um, I played in this game and it was um, run by Kevin Madison of Dungeon Musings, uh, YouTube and podcast fame. And we are running... um, Savage Pathfinder, so it's the Pathfinder world using the Savage Worlds rule set, which I I will say admittedly, I was not a fan of Savage Worlds until maybe a couple years ago when um, I played uh, sa- some Savage Worlds games um, with uh, Sean and Robin Bircher at one of our conventions that my wife's foundation runs. And then I followed that up by playing it at, at uh, Con in Austin, Texas, some Savage Rolls. I'm like, man, I like the system. It's pretty cool and intuitive. It's a little swingy, <clears throat> but hey, it does a lot. And it's, pre- it's a generic enough system that you can play in any genre. And what Kevin Madison is doing, he has this marathon coming up. And I, w- I definitely want to put this on the show notes because his marathon is linked to a charity that he supports and has supported for a long time. SOS Children's Charities. So anyway, so look for that. And I'll put a link there for the show notes. Um, He's running a marathon next in two weekends, I believe. And in the meantime, we are running this mini campaign or mini arc called The Road to the Iron Gods. So he is actually going to convert the Iron Gods or part of the Iron Gods adventure path that Paizo put out several years ago. And we're going to use Savage Worlds characters. And I play... A, a custom creation of his, a Dwarven Magus, so basically a, a fighter magic user type, and her name is Kate Firemane, which is uh, named after one of my Worlds of Warcraft uh, avatars. Uh, but she, uh, in World of Warcraft, it, she's a 60th level paladin. Um, I level about 200 now, but uh, in this game, she is a Dwarven Magus, uses a two-handed weapon, and can shoot fire. Um, which is pretty damn cool. So we've been traveling across, uh, the plains in, um, Numeria, which is a, a country or a location in Galerion in the Pathfinder verse where a spaceship crashed, uh, eons ago. And there's like technology. So it's very sword and planet. You have ray guns and, and robots, uh, but also magic and swords, um, so in a previous adventure, she had found actually a great greatsword uh, made of sky metal, so like meteorite uh, metal. And uh, generally her MO is in, a, in combat, she'll imbue it with fire from one of her spells called Smite and uh, wreak havoc on the bad guys. And this time we did a lot of exploration. Um, we were trying to get to this ruin that we've heard about, and we met, um, we're running, we're traveling along the edge of, uh, of this, uh, ravine or canyon, um, that I, that was created by the crash of the, of the starship long ago. I don't know if our characters know that. Um, maybe Kevin has mentioned that. Anyway, it's this big scar in, in the, in the ground and we're traveling along it. And, uh, previously none of us had, um, known really, we didn't have the, a, a critical skill called survival, uh, where we would need to not get lost, um, but we had an advance in between adventures, so now we had some modicum of survival skill, so we would not get lost as much. Um, and uh, we, instead of getting lost and running into many bad encounters this time around, uh, we were able to avoid some encounters. We met a friendly encounter of uh, a guy who we were able to trade you know, food for some of the goods and collect things that we had collected. Um, we had pre and actually early on and previously we had been with a camp of, um, of horse, uh, horse nomads. Um, and someone had tried to abduct one of our companions who was an Android. Uh, we, we chased him away. We didn't track him down. Uh, but the horse nomads were a bit perturbed and now we have allies uh, because of that because someone in their camp and they under our care broke the uh rule of hospitality so well, that's kind of cool we have in our back pocket some you know nom- uh horse nomads um which is neat I, I like i do like games where you don't just you know kill everything and let you know let the gods sort it out it's really fun to have diplomatic encounters, and I definitely think savage worlds um, helps with that, or they have mechanics to you know for networking they have mechanics for a lot of a lot of procedurals that I really enjoy and that I think I think honestly many many people who play uh, older versions of games like BX or a D and um, D would enjoy because of the procedural so anyway, uh, we finally get to our destination. And uh, we see that there are other, there's another group already there that we have learned about called the, the Helions, who are a fanatic religious group that has recently come uh, to some sort of power in the nearby town uh, city of Scrapwall. Uh, so they're probably bad news. Um, before we can confront them, we are attacked by some Uzi, Uzi monster that glows and has some sort of uh, tech inside of it. Uh, that maybe created it. Uh, we were able to defeat it uh, pretty handily, I think, with not too much damage to us, and recover the tech inside. And then um, that's more or less where we stopped. Kevin ended on a cliffhanger as he he likes to do, where you know that fight had uh, got the attention of the Helion camp, and they were sending some people to come investigate. And that's where we will pick up, or we would pick up the next week. Okay, game number three on the Sunday triple play of game recaps and commentary, as you have noticed. So game number three was a Deadlands game that we had proposed well, I guess a little background step, step back. So we we have these friends that we met some 10 years ago um, at a a local uh, drinking establishment called the Flying Saucer. And, you know, back then, pre-pandemic, you know, the, they have, like, basically beer hall seating. And sometimes it gets crowded. And you know, my wife and I got there and got a seat. And then this couple says, hey, can we sit with you? And seriously, like like best decision of socializing that we ever did because we've been friends with, with the, these people, um, I'll just name them cause they won't listen to this podcast. Maybe Melissa and David Zamkowski And, uh, they've been like best friends since, you know, since then, but, and you know, they know I game. Um, he used to game way back. He had D and D products and, and, you know, some other TSR stuff back in, back early on when, he was in high school, um, but he hadn't gamed in a long time, and he knew that I did it, and I always talked about it because he loved hearing the recaps. Um, but eventually, uh, we convinced him to game with us, and the game that they thought was interesting was Deadlands. They liked the the Wild West things, so we played um, about a month ago before this Sunday, and and uh, David is playing a. Um, mm-hmm. A territorial ranger. His wife, Melissa, is playing a uh, a hex slinger. So a huckster who in the tradition of um, Doc Holliday has learned how to inscribe runes onto her uh, pistol and rifle. So shoots magic out of guns. Be like a gun mage, maybe in another game you might know of, like Iron Kingdoms. Um, Or, yeah, Iron Kingdoms, I think, has gun mages. Right. So, and then my wife is playing with us, which is great. So I can have some game time with my wife, mm-hmm. and she mm-hmm. is playing a uh, an agent um, named Sam, who is you know basically a woman, but publicly dresses dresses as a man for the most part. But uh, that led into some cool things that happened this time around. So um, anyway, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. the last adventure was just like a one and done. Um, that we did and they wanted to continue. So this time, you know, we are going to run and there might be some spoilers. I'll try to uh, limit them. But we are running from the uh, the new Deadlands box set that Pinnacle has put out. Um, there is a bonus adventure called Showdown and Sundown. So we um, I decided to run that. And then if we like this adventure, then I'll probably move on to other campaigns. But I also might let the characters like had some leads from the last adventure and they might have some leads from this adventure that they might want to pursue on their own. So it'll be more a campaign feel. Um, so anyway, this time, so it started up with a bang. Um, there's a runaway stagecoach that the characters have to, um, to slow down and capture because they see dead bodies on it. Um, so I, this was this is the first time we'd run a dramatic um, task in savage world with this group so i didn't know how it would go but i I was impressed and I think this is um for no, people who are novice players like our friends um, they feel and the, and they've communicated that savage world is pretty intuitive and they really get into it and it definitely helps that since my wife is a veteran gamer and like Savage Worlds she really goes uh, I would say over the top with the role playing to really engage uh, the other the other couple so <clears throat> so the dramatic task they really got into describing what they would do remembering the tropes or things that they'd seen in a western and completing the dramatic task so they slow down uh, and investigate you know what what's going on uh, the territorial ranger sees a fellow ranger who is on his, you know, in his dying breath, gives him a, a, a mission um, or basically a letter and a name. Um, but then as, before they can parse that, uh, the, the people who they, they realize and figure out with some, you know, some, some tracking roles or survive, and survival roles, you know, that they were being chased and what had happened, they know that the people who off them um, are coming. So, uh, my wife's character rides up there just to confront them and actually accuses them. And they are so shocked by this, um, that they're at a loss. The other two, uh, characters, they get ready, you know, hunker down with their rifles at the state, you know, using the stagecoach and the horses of the stage as cover. Um, and then, you know, the fun thing, and I think that's what really gets people into savage worlds and, um, is the use of the cards, the action cards, use of a card deck to do initiative. And people love it because they're like, oh, because high card wins, right? So it's kind of, you know, it's like, (laughs) it's like, well, you're not really playing blackjack, but, you know, it's that sort of fun, gambly type of feel that, you know, triggers your endorphins um, and people really get into it. So so we put them down, Uh, Amy's, Character gets an Ace of Hearts. The bad guy gets an Ace of Diamonds, and so we go in reverse. If there's a tie, we go in reverse alphabetical order: Spades, Hearts, Diamonds, Clubs, right? Um, which is cool. So Amy's character goes. Uh, my wife's character goes first, and the the, the agents they have a, a like Gatling pistol, and she this is like she rolls like gangbusters. She like annihilates the gang leader. I mean, before but while he's his gun is half in, half in, half out of his holster. And before he can get it out, like, poop, 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 gone. I mean, like her dice were exploding like like crazy. And that's a neat mechanic in Savage Worlds. You roll your dice. If you get the high number on the dice, it explodes. So you roll it again. And um, you you want to get, when you're doing a skill or an attack, a raise. So four over uh, what you need to get. Um <clears throat> and then damage though it could keep exploding and i think she she effectively did eight wounds to this guy um and even though he's a, you're a, he's a like a named person which is called a wild card um he has like and has like four wounds like the other characters i was like um you know and there's a meta currency to try to mitigate that but i felt like that would be been, been a waste there's was no way i could take down that many Without wasting my precious meta currency, so he dies. The other gang members are like some are shocked and try to flee. Some are want revenge, uh, but the heroes down him pretty quickly. Take two prisoner because um, they get one, you know, dead to rights, and he surrenders. <clears throat> and then they interrogate him, find out, you know, that the town that they're going to is bad news, um, and is who it's run by. So, they take the stage and they set up like a camp outside of town, um, and with the they don't know what they want to do with the mm-hmm. prisoners or dead bodies, so they leave them there and go and visit the town. Um, they and I think this was a, a challenging part for novice players was then the investigation, um, and they had the information but they didn't know how to use that information early on, and they had to take some. Interaction with the townsfolk to really hit home that the mayor of the town, who is somehow getting inheritances by people who are from people who are disappearing, um they found out about him. He has like a, a really like a, a, mm-hmm. a lieutenant who's a thug, and they they kind of half embarrass, half entertain him in a in a fight in town, um, which again shows the beauty of Savage Worlds that you can. You know, do non-lethal if you want. You can, you can. If you get raises, you can do fun, fun things like disarm or, or you know, stun or daze. Um, and the characters are able to, were able to use like mm-hmm. the, the props that I described mm-hmm. to them um, to really help out in their endeavor. So it was, it was pretty cool. Um, so they did find out who they're con- who they are supposed to contact with the ranger finally at the end. And then that was, uh, I gave a big info dump at the end and that's where we stopped um, with now. And now they have a, the heroes have a plan to continue in this adventure. And they're also intrigued because like it says, it's like the title says shootout at sundown or showdown at sundown. And basically they the next day, there's going to be a shooting contest and the hex slinger is definitely excited about that. Um, the ranger and the agent are happy that this may be a distraction so they can do their investigation and get revenge for their fallen comrade. So it was great. Uh, they really enjoy it. Um, we were only going to play once a month, but I think they were, the players are excited enough that we're going to play every other week, um, which is very neat. I guess I'm doing a good job. Okay, well, that was my Sunday triple play, and I was going to do this, I think, last week, but I didn't have the, I don't know, I don't know what the word is, courage, I think, to start recording or put this together, and I don't, I'm just recording now, I don't even know how to put it together, I'll just I'll figure it out. <clears throat> so, since there has been a week since I've done this, I'm going to recap briefly and talk about my gaming from this week. Uh, this will not be as long, I don't think. Well, we'll see how this goes. So I didn't. I only ran one game this week, and with my home group. So this is a group that I've been playing with in person at Dragon's Lair, San Antonio, um, and then in the pandemic, we've been doing virtual. We've been doing various games, um, and uh, I think we finished. Uh, a warhammer uh fantasy campaign, and then we try to pick different games to play, and they just hadn't really panned out um, Actually, a couple of my friends got sick during this time um and they're fine now, you know but um but it's definitely disrupted our our gaming. I <laughs> thought that's the most important thing, but it is it was a way for us to hang out and connect and make sure we're all good during this pandemic. but we finally I think hit on a game that it seems like we everyone likes. enjoys. And that's Iron Kingdoms, uh, the 5e version that's just come out. And um, a lot of us who play are not just into, um, in this home group, are not just into uh, tabletop RPGs, but we also are into tabletop miniatures games and Iron Kingdoms. um, it Originally, I believe, back in 3.5, 3.0, started as a RPG, but then the company vetted that or or turned that into like a tabletop miniature. It's called War Machine and then Hordes, which is, you know, not... There's two two major sort of factions. I guess it's like Alliance and Horde, but not quite. <clears throat> um, or it's basically, I would say, people from the city and people from the wilderness or group factions from the wilderness, although that's not cut and... Black and white, cut and dry either. Anyway... So, Iron Kingdoms, in this same world where War Machine and Hordes takes place, it's uh, diesel punk, steampunk, full metal fantasy is what the uh, writers, uh, that's their tagline. Um, So you have steam power, steam jacks, magic, guns, um, and they've converted it to 5e. They've had, they did the 3.5, 3.0 version, then they did their own sort of home version which I thought was fantastic um at least as far as combat playing wise because it was more or less like the uh the tabletop miniatures game I mean you could convert directly almost um in their home system incarnation but there really was it really was hard to do like in between honestly in between gaming stuff um and they never really developed uh that all the I guess you I you, and so I had to adapt a procedural from other games to do investigation or, you know, wilderness movement. Um, anyway, so now we, now they have a five E version and their Kickstarter was actually early at the beginning of this year and they've already got the PDF out. So I think they had it done. Um, and it's just a question of getting it printed. And we all know because of the pandemic printing is so far behind for a lot of things. So, We are running the adventure that came with the Kickstarter called Legacy of the Witchfire. And it is not like one of my players said, I'll play in Iron Kingdoms, but I'm not going to play Witchfire because I played it already like twice. Um, So this is 20 years later. Um, So he'll get all the Easter eggs. Uh, I don't know if the others will. So the characters, uh, they made their characters and they decided, What's another neat thing uh, in this game, um, you can do essence or essence which is linked to an attribute or background to give you bonuses um, I kind of want a high-powered game and I t- told him to use point by um, so I let him add both essence and background because I you know you cap it I mean it's a you cap it 20 in 5e anyway so it, ultimately it, it's not a big deal and then I wanted to build to promote um, the feats that you could get um, under the essences which seemed kind of neat and a little different than your standard five uh, e feats. So in this party we have um, a pretty eclectic group. We and some took advantage of the new classes. Uh, so we have we do have a Signarin who's a, like a local human, the local human ethnicity and culture. Uh, Signarin uh, Warcaster. So he and he has a, a steam mm-hmm. jack. Um, so he has like a robot companion, you know, pseudo robot companion. Uh, we have a, an Elven, one of the Elven types, uh, there he is Iosin and he picked a gunslinger. So kind of like a, a, in a way, a gun mage, although I don't think he has magic support. Like he can't cast spells through his gun, but he has tricks and things as, as he advances to improve his fighting ability and it's somewhat magic, somewhat skill. Um, we have a, someone made like a, tr- a traditional rogue, uh, but he, his background is like a trader. Um, so he was a, a trader, a smuggler during the wartime uh, that had just happened in the nearby country. And he's going to eventually become a duelist. So he might be like a pistol and, and rapier type, which is kind of neat that you could do that, you know, kind of like a, you can 17th century musketeers, you know, type stuff, um, really. And I think that's the vibe, part of the vibe that this is, getting although another friend of mine suggested Victorian but I think it might be well there are trains so maybe early Victorian let's say early Victorian um so between you know 17th and 19th century I guess technology it varies and it probably depends whether you're in a city or not uh how the technology varies or whether there's more of a dependency on magic. So we have another another character is an is also an elven mechanic so he can help fix the steam jack, uh give buffs, um has some moderate fighting ability but he's more like a technician, you know. Um <clears throat> which is kind of neat. So that's the group and another neat thing about Iron Kingdoms is it has like you could form your own adventuring company and set up a charter. So they decided to do a, a mercenary charter. Um, And the premise or the conceit of Legacy of the Witchfire is that it's uh, the festival of the longest night in one of the cities called Corvus in Signar, and they need extra help uh, to patrol and maintain order during the festival time. So the group, uh, basically the trader negotiated for them to get this charter to act as sort of a a little unit that's buffering the the local uh, constabulary. Uh, police forces. Um, so, so they, you know, they just do their patrols. They see that things are strange. They suddenly see an incursion of rats, but not like normal rats. They're like these thing called devil rats, which rarely come out of the sewers. So eventually they, they track them down. Uh, they found out how they find it. They're, they're attacking this old woman. They help her, you know, kill all the rats in that are attacking her in that place, and then go down into the sewers to pursue this. They found out that the rats have been driven out um because of the activity of this gang called the powder gang and uh in the last encounter, they discovered that the powder powder boys gang has a plot um, to blow- blow things up around the city to cause trouble um they don't know who who put them up to it, but they know someone else hired them. Um, cause he's this gang. Yeah. They cause trouble, but not on the scale. Right. So it's pretty neat. We discovered in our last session um, when they confronted a group of this gang, that guns are pretty dangerous. In this game. So one of the characters got taken down and in 5E, you have this sort of um, death saves and he was, he had, he was down to like one more death save before he he expired, but the players got to him and were able to um, to stabilize him before he had to make that last roll. So <clears throat> so that was good. Now um, the characters are they they took prisoners, and I thought that was kind of a neat thing because one of the because you know in it, in it, honestly in a typical D and D game most players are murder hobos. So it's refreshing to see the characters, at least one of the characters say, hey, you know, we'll just capture them after we defeat them. Uh, we'll make sure they stabilize. And you know, we're, we're the police, so we're not going to just, we're going to take them in for justice and trial and something like that, which I thought was kind of refreshing and neat. They, they buy in, which, I, which again, I think it's because of the background and the, the knowledge of the verse um, from both the RPG and tabletop experience. Um, that the characters, uh, the players have bought in for their characters to act in this manner. So they took a prisoner, interrogated him, and he's leading them. Um, and also, I guess it makes, for me as a GM, it makes me play NPCs as less fanatic if they're not gonna, if they know that they're not gonna be killed outright, they are more likely to surrender um, and be taken in in the hope of getting off. Right? Yeah, there is obviously corruption and all that kind of stuff. Um, or make a deal uh, with the authorities like this one prisoner did okay I 'll take you to our hideout. Um, so that's where we left off is that they're about to bust into the hideout um, and hopefully surprise the next batch of of this gang who have this nefarious plot to blow up the festival. Yeah. think i'm gonna stop there i did play games this weekend but maybe that'll be the next podcast maybe i'm gonna try to get these out weekly i don't know um but i i guess i did in this last segment i wanted to talk about what might be next up in you know as far as gaming and specifically me running i mean i definitely play in a lot of games to you know from gms that i love to play with and respect and get you know, learn a lot from these guys. Um, So what's next for me? I think my home group, they've been talking about, um, we had a a really fun time running Terrors of Talibheim, um, which is a second edition Warhammer Fantasy product, but we converted it. I mean, it's very easy to convert, honestly, and even on the fly to the Warhammer Fantasy Roleplaying 4 that uh, Cubicle uh, 7 just came out with. In the last few years, so I think we were talking about that and how awesome that was. so they want to do another Warhammer campaign, and we're probably gonna settle on the mega enemy within um I've had good luck um with Warhammer campaigns getting them to completion, not just uh terrors in talebheim um but um also uh the 1, 000, uh, ten thousand thrones product that was also for Warhammer fantasy two. So this one, so the enemy within it's a five part series uh, that is a rewrite of the original enemy within from Warhammer fantasy one um, adapted and updated with the new rule set. And they added, they've added in a lot of material. Um, I'm collecting the, the deluxe versions and it comes in a slipcase not just with the book for the adventure, but also a companion book. Um, they look really hella fantastic, great production value. So the uh, Enemy in the Shadows is the first part of The Enemy Within, and it um, comprises Enemy Within and uh, Shadows over a uh, Bogenhafen um, from the original. So my players have talked about it they want to play another one they actually i actually gave them the choice do you want to use your cuz i could take their characters that were heroes of Talibheim and continue them cuz they they work for like a um a, no, a noble woman um the, you know in that campaign but they're like no i want to start at the, at the beginning they really like that you know peasants and peddlers to to big damn hero uh thing that can happen in warhammer so I think they're going to start over um, and start this campaign relatively soon. And, and we might even wait uh, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Dragon's Lair is going to be able to, they're doing some um, construction there to open up the the space, uh, but they do have private rooms. So I think we're going to wait until those are available sometime in June, um, which is great. I'm glad, hopefully, this pandemic is easing out as people get vaccinated and and we're you're treating this. So that'd be awesome. Um, the other thing I've worked up, a uh, Delta green, uh, my, some of my groups have been asked virtual and otherwise have been asking me for a Delta green game. So I worked one up. I got one on the, on the roll 20. I put up the, the PX poker night, um, on the roll 20. So that one's ready to go for my players. Heads up. If we ever want to do Delta green, um, maybe we'll do this after America, although there are, there is a talk about jumping back to my uh, Broken Lands um, BX Beck Me game, where, which comp- basically play humanoids from the Gazetteer uh, 10 um, product from uh, D&D way back. Um, and it's uh, it's gone pretty good. I mean, there's some characters who are like fifth, sixth level, so it's, it's done pretty well, but it's been on hiatus for some time. So we might pick that up after America or something else. There's also a request... Um, from a Friday group that I just joined, which we weren't able to play this Friday. Alas, uh, people just couldn't make it. I had something going on too. Um, but we were doing a Savage, savage Sewers, which is um, uh, basically we play mutant uh, anthropomorphics in the sewers of the Big Apple, uh, trying to track down uh, these bad guys that look like ninjas. So you can imagine what that might be inspired by. Uh, anyway that group after we finished that story arc uh the gm arlen walker from pelham's wasteland and uh, is running that one and one uh, among other players are uh, jason Connolly of nerds variety rbg podcast and Shay webster of roleplay rescue blog and podcast um they requested that i put together an etu so east texas university savage worlds game so you imagine basically Buffy but instead of in Sunnydale Vale California they're in Pine Box Texas which effectively is Pinewood Texas where Stephen F. Austin is Um, but it could also be um, other it could be Blinn College which is also in that neighborhood Um, but it it's kind of cool I um, actually my Deadlands group Sunday night group uh, they looked at ETU and they're like, oh, and they both went to a and their kids went to AM. So they're like, oh, we'd love to do this because, you know, it's just that area of Texas and they know it pretty well and they'd get a kick out of it. But it is effectively, you know, college, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So shenanigans and, and weird in, in a college setting. So um, I think I'm working that up as well. All right. Well, I think that'll be the end of Leave No Stone Unturned definitely would be cool if you guys called in um i don't know again how this works but uh we'll see how this goes